Good morning. Welcome in. It's the Plank Show right here, Ref Sports Radio Network. I am Josh Elmer. And for the next hour, bonus radio for TJ Perry. We think Chris Plank should be alongside to start the 10 o'clock hour. We shall all find out together. Of course, the big news today, what is the future of Baker Mayfield? The Cleveland Browns meeting with Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield quickly taking to social media to thank the Cleveland fans. Quote, the past four years have been nothing short of truly life-changing since I heard my name called in the draft to go to Cleveland. This is, an, this is not a message with hidden meaning. This is strictly to thank the city of Cleveland for embracing my family and me. End quote. The note went on from Baker Mayfield, but really, that's the gist it's of it. as long as Buzz Williams' notes from yesterday, so it's quite the, uh, quite the letter of uh, love. So Lots of Twitter notes out there. <laughs> Look, it's done for Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. It's done. Even if Cleveland swinging to bring in Deshaun Watson here, even if they swing and miss – this relationship is officially fractured. Once it's public that you're in the pursuit of Deshaun Watson, who has the type of history right here with the 22 different civil cases, the suits against Deshaun Watson, no loyalty. No loyalty. That, that's what we found out it, yesterday. Yeah, it's different if Aaron Rodgers was still available and you decide to make a run at Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson was still there and you might could work a trade for that. Like, for me, the fact they were pursuing Deshaun Watson with everything out there that's on the table with him tells me that, yeah, Baker Mayfield's done in Cleveland. You know, th this isn't the pursuit of one of those two other guys that I mentioned. This is a guy with a lot of baggage right now that you're still uh, pursuing. And Baker Baker knows. I mean, there were conversations going on behind the scenes. He's been he, he mentioned in that letter, you know, I've been relatively quiet knowing – this process was going on. So he, he was letting fans know that this is what's happening here. Yeah, it sounds like from that that he had a pretty good idea that Stefanski and the rest of the organization had fallen out with Baker Mayfield. Sure, They, they, they were yeah. ready behind closed doors to go a different direction. Again, no loyalty in the National Football League. We saw that not just with Baker Mayfield. We saw that with the, the Dallas Cowboys, Randy Gregory situation. Yeah, what punk agreeing to it and then not liking the terms of the contract? How about not getting suspended all the time because you're in trouble off the field? How about not uh, being injured constantly? Hey, well, you've paid me before and you're suddenly not going to pay me now if I, uh, you know, decide to get suspended due to, uh, you know, substance abuse. <laughs> so, what a punk. Both sides of the equation. We saw it. No loyalty from a player in Randy Gregory who had a franchise and an organization. We can get into how that situation, if you feel it was botched, bungled a little bit by the Cowboys. Definitely sure. was, yeah. But Dallas showed loyalty to Randy Gregory, and I'm not saying that he has to show loyalty to them in this process. He's free to sign and go wherever he chooses. It's just a reminder for everyone out there, players – organizations 
rarely is there loyalty in professional sports. Think back not too awfully long ago. Now, it seems different where we're sitting now with Aaron Rodgers, but this is a Green Bay Packers franchise that went ahead and drafted Aaron Rodgers' replacement. And that's what fractured that relationship for a little while. So if you're looking for loyalty in professional sports, rarely will you find it. And certainly no loyalty for Baker Mayfield here. You think about what that franchise was before Baker Mayfield arrived. 1-31 in the previous two seasons with obviously an 0-16 mark mixed in there. And I keep seeing folks bring up the fact that there's three six-win seasons with Baker Mayfield. Okay, true, but you have to – you got to factor in a little bit what Cleveland was when they were drafting Baker Mayfield number one overall. Baker, to me, clearly did himself, if he wanted to stay in Cleveland, did himself a massive disservice – by playing this season, when he had the injury to his shoulder, he probably should have sat out if he wanted to stay in Cleveland. 2020 was good for Baker Mayfield. 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, just eight interceptions. And, oh, by the way, they won their first playoff game since coming back to Cleveland. And yet here we find ourselves today where I just don't see any way back from this. You can try and fix the relationship if you swing and miss on Deshaun Watson. But once this once this gets out there and you've got Baker Mayfield releasing the type of statement that he made, feels like it's best for all parties to now go a different direction. The other part of the equation is this, and Oklahoma fans won't like hearing this, If Cleveland can get Deshaun Watson, of course that's a messy situation because of his history, and the ethics involved with that is its own separate discussion. But in terms of strictly a football player, the Cleveland Browns are better with Deshaun Watson playing quarterback. And in the business of professional sports, when the name of the game is get folks in seats, win division titles, and try and track down a Super Bowl championship. Though Watson, of course, has the situation going on that he he has with the 22 suits against him, if you can make yourself a better football team, typically organizations are going to try to make themselves a better football team. That's true. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out, though, because I saw a lot of Browns fans trending yesterday on on Twitter and stuff, upset that they would be moving on from Baker Mayfield. And Sean just texted us saying, if uh, Baker Mayfield's traded, there's a good chance a 44-year fandom closes. So there, there are fans that don't want to see this. But, like you said, Anger's eased all of a sudden if you're winning uh, football games. That kind of just goes, that goes, uh, it gets pushed to the back, you know, and you forget about Baker Mayfield pretty quickly if if he comes in here and wins and can get past all the off field stuff because it's still out there lingering. I hope that if Baker gets traded here, which I think he's getting traded at this point, I'd be very surprised if he winds up sticking around in Cleveland. 
he he will want out after this situation. I hope he does find a good landing spot. He's if he's not a top five quarterback in this league, top ten type quarterback in this league. He is a solid starting quarterback that can win football games and with the right pieces around him, I think can make a deep run in in the NFL playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. Potentially get to and win a Super Bowl. I believe that's possible for Baker Mayfield. Indianapolis, I heard Toby signing off talking about it. I think the Colts would be a great spot for Baker Mayfield to wind up at. That's a really good roster. Baker Mayfield can win in Indianapolis. Baker Mayfield can be every bit as good, if not better than what Phillip Rivers was in that standalone season in Indy. He can be every bit as good as what Carson Wentz was last season in Indianapolis. That would be, I think, a pretty good fit for both sides. A quarterback that obviously has plenty of starting experience under his belt, knows what it means to be the the franchise guy, and I think is a pretty good quarterback when healthy. Is he one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? No. I, I don't view him in the even the same light as, say, Dak Prescott and some others. Of course, your Mahomes, your Rodgers, your Brady's once again. He, he's not that for me. But I think he's every bit as good as a Derek Carr. Don't you think? Yes. No, I, I agree with that. And I, I think there is – he's going to have to find himself in the right situation to be successful. But I think those those destinations are out there. So I think he can win at a high level. He, he's got to be healthy. I mean, he's got to get over last year. You're right. He did himself no favors last year trying to show his Cleveland toughness and work through that. It ended up, you know, being a disaster for him. So I, it'll be interesting to see what Cleveland does, though, if they miss out on Deshaun Watson. If Atlanta or one of these other teams swoop in there and, and get him, how you clean that up or how or when you move him, that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. So. And what you move him for. And what you move him for, right, because then at that point you've hurt yourself So as an organization trying to move him. Well, and at this point, okay, let's say it gets to the point where Either New Orleans or Carolina. That's where Deshaun Watson ends up Prefers, getting, yeah. getting traded to, and that's that's how that whole situation shakes out. Final year of the deal for Baker Mayfield. You think he's going to agree to a long-term deal right now with Cleveland? How much money are we talking? <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> money talks, man. Money can fix a lot of problems. <laughs> how much is the guaranteed? I think that he'd want to be in a different situation at this point. It would seem like it, yes. But, hey, from that standpoint, okay, money talks, and lo and behold, someone we just mentioned a moment ago, there were folks writing the obituary for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. And hold on, everyone, I get it. Aaron Rodgers, Super Bowl winner, multiple MVP caliber quarterback in Green Bay. So, you can't compare the two situations between Rodgers and Mayfield just as one example of a situation that you thought was too far gone that couldn't be fixed. And, oh, by the way, here we find ourselves today. Big, massive, long-term mega deal. Okay, hey, I'm perfectly fine with sticking around in Green Bay. So maybe that does exist out there for them to repair this relationship. 
I have a hard time seeing it as we wake up today. What are your thoughts? What What do you all think about the Baker Mayfield situation? Obviously, I mean, to think about where that franchise was and what Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield instilled a lot of this in the Cleveland Browns, the winning culture. I know that they feel like they have this roster that, okay, get the right quarterback in, plug him in, and boom, all of a sudden we're right there with Kansas City or whichever team, Cincinnati now in that division, we're right there to win an AFC North title, to be a serious contender, to win the AFC. Maybe that's the case, but I do think Baker Mayfield deserves a healthy bit of credit for what we've seen the turnaround in Cleveland, and yet here we find ourselves today where, again, professional sports, no loyalty, my friends, no loyalty. Want to hear from you. We've uh, obviously got an NIT game to react to as well. I was pleasantly, I won't say surprised, but pleasantly impressed with what we saw from Oklahoma last night, victorious over Missouri State, and now St. Bonaventure next in the NIT for Oklahoma. Law offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line, 405-329-9000. Air Comfort Solutions text line, that's yours as well, 405-651-3439. Opening T.O., we hear from you next right here. It's the Plank Show, Ref Sports Radio Network, back after this. We roll on. It's brought to us by Van Hoos Fence, that is vhfence.com. Premier Fence Company in Oklahoma, they offer free estimates. Customer satisfaction, that's their top priority, so get your fence back in shape. Before the summertime, 405-735-1167, Van Hoos Fence, vhfence.com. I was curious what type of Oklahoma we would see last night in the NIT opening round versus Missouri State. This team, they look, anybody could figure it out. They made no bones about it. It was a gut punch. They thought that they had done enough to get into the NCAA tournament. And, of course, when we saw the official brackets, just on the outside looking in. In fact, the second team on the outside looking in. But it was clear, TJ, I thought, really from the opening tip, that what Porter Moser said, that his group was going to go out and try and prove – the committee wrong, try and make a statement that they screwed up by not having Oklahoma in the field of 68, his team had bought in to that message. They were engaged. They were dialed in. Obviously, Mo Gibson had a terrific night for Oklahoma. And the Sooners last night, they win it, 89-72 to over Missouri State. Afterwards, Porter Moser was just asked about specifically that. The how proud he was of how his team played. So, you know, they should be proud of themselves, you know, because it's a life lesson. Um, I said it the other night. Um, I was gutted, but I, but I was more gutted for them. They, they Their gut is – because I, I should have a lot more in my career. Players have limited numbers, so I really was heartbroken for them. Um, and then, I mean, it was – it was really tough when they walked out of here, and we were literally just going, man, we got to turn around and, and play. And uh, so we regrouped Monday, yesterday, 
And we just talked about it. We just talked about the life lessons of, of how you react when it doesn't go your way. You know, that's what character is. And, um, you know, if, if we go down and don't play hard and lay an egg and we don't play well, that it's just giving, you know, confirmation that the committee can say, oh, we made the right decision. And I said, let's prove them wrong. Let's prove them wrong. That's, that's the choice. And these guys had a good day of practice yesterday. And I thought they came out and, uh, you know, uh, credit Missouri State. I mean, Mosley, I, I mean, I know, I mean, I know how good they are. Um, Dana did a nice job uh, matching up zone and going man, and they were, they were that defense. Um, and I thought we got in a good flow and rhythm. I thought Mo, Jordan Gowire, and Tanner were terrific in the first half. Um, I challenged some other guys. I didn't think we got great production from off our bench in the, in the first half. And in the second half, I thought C.J. Nolan, Ethan, and Marvin gave us great minutes in the second half. Um, and, uh, but just a life lesson on that they can carry, just how you react when you, when you get knocked down. And I thought they played hard, they played spirited, um, and they beat a very good team. Agreed. They played hard, they played spirited. And like I said, DJ, evident from the opening tip yeah. that OU was taking this thing seriously. Right from the beginning, you could tell they were bought into what he had sold them over the last couple of days. They were inspired, and they wanted to go out. And they look like a team that wants to win this NIT championship and, and, and go out winners this season. So they were completely locked in. Moja Gibson was unreal. Um, like Coach mentioned Marvin Johnson giving them some good minutes. He's been really big for them down the stretch here with Elijah Harkless going down. So they were ready to play last night, and that was good to see. Mo Gibson, 5 of 10 from deep, 8 of 17 overall. The, the thing I liked about Mo Gibson's game last night, I mean, obviously he shot the basketball great. You shoot 50% from, from three. That's sort of his calling card. But what Gibson has been doing lately, TJ, too, to be a little bit more aggressive attacking the basket, trying to get downhill, trying to draw fouls, trying to get into the painted area and get some layups. That's, I think, at times been something that he's struggled and gotten away from, instead getting a little too reliant maybe on the three-point shot. But here lately, I, I think back to the play that won the game versus Baylor. Drives in, gets fouled, and one. Getting downhill, attacking the basket, not just relying on your your greatest skill, which of course is his ability to shoot the the three point shot, but using more tools from mm -hmm. your bag of tricks. Had the same thought process the tech game; it just didn't work out for him. He probably should have pulled up for the jumper, but, right? That but one. had the thought process of I'm going in and I'm going to make this shot at the basket or or get fouled. So. Um, yeah, no, he's been much more aggressive, and that's been good to see. It's really paid off for him because it's opened other things up for him too. 15 points for Goldwire last night. Tanner Groves got off to a good start and then was kind of quiet after that, but he finished with nine points, knocked down three triples. I thought Jalen Hill had another solid game, eight points and six rebounds. So nice to see for Oklahoma. Nice to see for Oklahoma. I think uh, it would have left a, a bad taste in everybody's mouth if you come out opening round of the NIT after you get that one seed in this tournament, and, and then you, you flame out here to Missouri State. You probably needed every bit of that from uh, Emoja last night, too, because uh, Isaiah Mosley was not going to let his team go down easy in that first half. Like, had he not matched him in that first half, oh, you could have found themselves down, and then it may have been a different story coming out of that locker room. We don't know, but 
uh, those two going back and forth in that first half was something to see because that kid can score too. Yeah, what are what's his thought process on next season? Where would he like to play? Can he come to Norman? <laughs> he's a, I a pretty he's, good ball player. I, I, watching him last night, I think he's playing at the next level. So I think Toby even said he was looking over at his bench telling him, I'm going to the NBA. He, he wasn't really saying that, but Toby said that was the uh, expression he was getting. Like, what am I doing in this college basketball <laughs> game in the NIT? I should be playing in the NBA right now. Now. So that kid can score. He's got the size, man. Yeah. And obviously, you think about just the shooting of Gibson. Mosley's got that. But hey, if he enjoyed his time here, we'll, uh, we'll you know, love to see him play here for a year. I'm just thinking about you and Toby's conversation. If Mo Gibson decides, hey, the time is right for me to try the NBA or go overseas or whatever. Right. Isaiah Mosley, hey man, I mean, come on, do you, do you want to dance for one season? <laughs> Make the call, Porter. He Absolutely. Was, he was really impressive, really impressive. Gage Prim was a nice player for them as well. Obviously, outside of those two, though, Missouri State didn't have uh, a ton of offense. And I think dating back to Mo Gibson's layup right there, remember you got from one end of the floor to the other, Oh, you gave up that basket right before halftime to Missouri State, and then boom, shot out of a cannon. Mo Gibson, other end of the floor, quick layup, and from from that Mo Gibson layup to the ten oh five mark of the second half, when it was Mo Gibson again hitting a three pointer. Oh, you went on a thirty one to seventeen run last night, and really at that point, then you opened up an eighteen point lead, and from that point, it just was never really in question for Oklahoma. So positive to see OU come out, take the thing seriously, and make a little bit of a statement perhaps that, yeah, the committee got this thing wrong. Take a timeout. We've got John Rogers from Purple Wave should be alongside shortly with us. We'll hit some of your text messages as well. And I should tell you, 11.35 this morning, Jocelyn Allo. Hopping on the program. So you'll want to definitely stick around and join us for Jocelyn Allo in hour number three to talk about becoming the new home run queen in college softball. Got to take a T.O. here. It's the Plank Show. Hour number one brought to you by Van Who's Fence. Hour number one, we roll on the Plank Show right here, Ref Sports Radio Network. It's the home of Sooner fans. Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you, Josh Elmer. T.J. Perry hanging out with you. Until the man himself, Chris Plank, joins us sharp at 10 o'clock. We welcome in now special guest, John Rogers from Purple Wave, Purple Wave Auction, purplewave.com. John, first off, good morning. Been a, a little bit since we chatted. How you been? Yes, good morning. Uh, been doing very well. So I know you've got all sorts of great items up for auction right now, purplewave.com. What are some of the auctions that folks should be fired up about? Okay, yes. Uh, you know, we segment our um, auctions by industry. For example, we have uh, all construction assets are in a construction auction. All ag assets are in an ag auction. And then we have a government auction. And uh, Tuesday, March 29th, we have a uh, very nice offering from the city of Tulsa. There will be 79 assets in that auction from Crown Vic's to welders, to SUVs, you know, with the shortage of uh, new pickups and dozers and excavators with the interruption of the supply line, 
Uh, it's a good place. Purplewave.com is a good place to go look for really, really good used assets. Well, and it can be a great platform as well if you're you're looking to sell. Yes, we uh, and selling on Purple Wave is very simple and easy. Uh, we're an online only, no reserve auction. If you want to sell on Purple Wave, we come to your location. We take all the pictures. We do do the descriptions. We put them online with like assets. Market them there for about three weeks, and then whoever buys them comes to pick them up. So it's a turnkey operation, straight, simple, sold. John, obviously, a lot of our listeners familiar with the types of items up for auction, but just give everybody a nice refresher course, what they're looking for, purplewave.com. Yeah, we, we have a lot of different items on purplewave.com. For example, if you're, a, if you're an ag guy and you're a collector, we have a 1967 4020 John Deere. If you're looking for, we have a, convertible, a Corvette convertible, 1994, with 49,000 miles on it. Uh, we have 135 pickups and vans selling next week. Uh, just a, a variety from cranes to rock crushers to Corvettes and skid steer loaders. Well, that's awesome, John. Hey, thanks so much for your time. As always, we'll catch up with you again soon down the road. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Purplewave.com. Purplewave.com, where, again, you, you can get after an auction right now and – if you've got something you're looking to sell, you can do that as well right there, purplewave.com. So I've started breaking down position groups, TJ, not assigning grades or anything like that for any of the position groups, just sort of a nice all-encompassing, this is what wide receiver looks like for Oklahoma entering the spring. This is what the tight end group looks like for Oklahoma entering the spring, and I think the third and final group that I looked at was linebackers. Wide receivers interesting, though, for Oklahoma because it's the group that y- you look at the pass catchers from last season for OU and y- you're replacing three of your top four wide receivers. Mario Williams, we know, transferring out to USC. Jaden Hazelwood, transferring out to Arkansas and then Mike Woods who maybe wasn't incredibly heralded last season but was a solid pickup for Oklahoma he decides to take his chance at the the National Football League turns down the the extra year of eligibility you've got Marvin Mims back that's a great starting point for Oklahoma and I think Marvin Mims is primed for his biggest season at OU just strictly based off what Jeff Levy's offenses typically look like for number one wide receivers. And obviously, Marvin Mims is going to be that number one wide receiver for Oklahoma. We're talking upwards of 70-plus receptions these last couple of seasons at Ole Miss for the number one wide receiver. So you've got that. That's a great starting point with Marvin Mims. And I think, TJ, a lot of Oklahoma fans would say – or would have said, especially last season, maybe not the true freshman year for Marvin Mims, but definitely last season, OU fans felt like, hey, let's get the football a little bit more often to Marvin Mims. Get it in his hands, yeah. They were screaming it all year long, yes. So that's something with this wide receiver group that Oklahoma fans can look forward to, something with this Jeff Levy offense that Oklahoma fans can look forward to. 
Beyond that, you've got the return of Mr. Reliable. Drake Stoops has has made some big catches, right? Won the Texas game two years ago for Oklahoma in four overtimes. Seems like anytime the football is thrown his direction, you can trust Drake Stoops is going to come up with that grab. But Drake Stoops is what Drake Stoops is. He's a well, that's what he is. I mean, yeah, really you, reliable, you rely on him. Yeah. really reliable possession receiver. Not going to be somebody that has game breaking type speed. So you, you need more than just Marvin Mims and Drake Stoops. I I'm looking at names like Brian Darby and Trayvon West. West did some nice things for Oklahoma late last season. Those are two players for OU that need to take some serious steps forward if this wide receiver group is going to be what Oklahoma fans are accustomed to that position group being. Jalil Farouk, that was exciting in the Valero Alamo Bowl. He had a big big bowl game, yeah. Three grabs, 64 yards. So that's someone that for me, as I projected out and start thinking about who who could be a star now, who could take that leap forward into that type of starring role, Farouk showed me something versus the Ducks. Now, obviously, that was kind of the, the one really good performance of the season. How much of that was the fault of Lincoln Riley and this staff for having Farouk shelved a little bit all season long I don't know did did it take a little bit of while to get up to speed true freshman could be the case but I I like the potential there for Oklahoma a lot of it though hinges right on what type of Theo Weiss is Oklahoma getting back all we heard were rave reviews last spring before last season And then, unfortunately, you wind up ultimately losing Theo Weiss for the season. We thought maybe midway through, maybe past the Texas game. Okay, then a little bit later, that remember that infamous bye week where you had the the day where Lincoln Riley disappeared, canceled some media availabilities. There were rumblings that week once Riley had his uh, availability that, hey, Theo Weiss is really progressing. He's, He's close. He's... Not ready to announce any sort of timetable on it. Not ready to say that Theo Weiss is back right here right now. But he's getting closer. And then, obviously, it just never quite happened that Theo Weiss made it back. He is two years removed from finishing second on the team in terms of just receiving yardage. I think it was 530. I know that he tied for the team lead with Mims in 2020 with 37 receptions. You're hoping, hoping that Theo Weiss can be that and more. And I think that's still in there for Oklahoma. I feel comfortable that with Mims and Weiss, you've got to bona fide star type wide receivers. And then beyond that, it's about filling out the rest of that receiver group, whether it's Jaleel Farouk. I think Cody Jackson is a name that we forget about a little bit too. And listening to Cale Gundy's availability from just a couple of weeks ago I don't know do you remember hearing last season that Cody Jackson was hurt not that I remember no and Cale Gundy kind of kind of said that in his availability that if not hurt he had to step away 
for a little bit. I, I don't know specifically what the situation was there. Something about stepping away seems more familiar than being injured. So, But that could just be me from hearing him say that. I don't know. That was my under-the-radar player. So in this story that I wrote over at SoonersWire.USAToday.com, just full breakdown of the wide receivers group. If you're interested in something like that, feel free to go check it out. Returning starters, you've got Marvin Mims. Technically is kind of the only returning starter, though I would say Theo Weiss is a returning starter as well. Just was injured last season. You start breaking down the rest of that wide receiver group, and the name that I arrived at, under-the-radar type player, was Cody Jackson, who, again, was a highly recruited guy to Oklahoma. Kale Gundy said as much the other day, too, that, hey, this is somebody that we really, really liked when we brought him to Oklahoma and then, look, Oklahoma's always got a bunch of guys that can go out and catch the football. It's tough to crack that rotation at OU, especially as a true freshman. So he kind of got buried down the depth chart a little bit. And in some ways, maybe when you late in the game sign a Jaden Gibson, when you sign a Nick Anderson, we like bright and shiny, right? right? We like the, the new additions. You saw Jaleel Farouk in the Valero Alamo Bowl. So not quite maybe at the forefront of your mind, but I think Cody Jackson's a name to keep in mind for next season. A position that should have a lot of hungry guys, be it Marvin Mims, who a lot of people thought he should have touched the ball a lot more, and maybe he has that opportunity. Guys coming back from injury and being able to maybe step on the field and make that impact that they've wanted to make, and then guys that maybe weren't used in the right way and feel now they've got that opportunity. It's a position that there should be a lot of dudes Really hungry to step up and make a big impact this year, for sure, for different reasons. Traven West and Brian Darby, how do you feel about those two being significant contributors? Not as much as some of the other names that you've mentioned, but we'll see. I'm not sold on those two names. Yeah, like They don't jump out at me when you say it, and I'm, I, I don't expect big things, but you never know. Sure, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, right? I, I would tend to agree with you that if we're talking strictly flash, sizzle, electricity, game-breaking ability, all of that sort of stuff, those wouldn't be the first two names that come to mind. And if we in eight months, however long, are having conversations about Oklahoma's top wide receivers and Darby and West are two of the names that we're talking a lot about, Think some things have gone wrong? (laughs) Yeah, probably not the greatest sign, whether that's injury or folks just not quite reaching the level that we expect. Or we're completely wrong and they are massive breakouts. Or we're dummies. (laughs) Or we're dummies. How do you guys feel about wide receiver entering next season? It is a group that I feel good about. I I think that there's plenty of talent there. Mims, of course, I mean superstar, all-American type talent. Anywhere you look, he's listed as one of the one of the top wide receivers in college football. We know that. That's proven with Marvin Mims. Feel good about Theo Weiss. But beyond that, there's some question marks. There are. You need guys to, to take big leaps, and we'll see if either one. It would be huge for Oklahoma if either Jaden Gibson or Nick Anderson, those two guys with their, with their size, their length, athleticism, you kind of need one of those two to be able to step in and make some plays right away. I think it's an intriguing group, though. 
It is. I feel good about it. I worry a little bit, though, depth-wise, if you have if you have some injury problems in the spring or in the fall. But other than that, I think you've got playmakers. Take a TL. Just one more segment. We'll play catch-up on the text line before we finish up our number one and then Chris Plank hop in in joining the show 10 o'clock. And don't forget, Jocelyn Allo at 11.35. New home run queen joining us right here. It's the Plank Show, Ref Sports Radio Network. Back with you one final segment, hour number one. Then Chris Plank will be alongside right here. It is the Plank Show, Ref Radio Network. Home of Sooner fans, Josh Elmer alongside TJ Perry. For just a few more minutes, Air Comfort Solutions text line, all yours, 405-651-3439. What? What is that texter saying about Dallas? I hadn't even clicked on it to read it yet. I just saw the first line. I didn't know if that was just a shot at me or what. It's a pretty it's a pretty intriguing first line. <laughs> Air Comfort Solutions text line. Do you think Dallas could get that bum out as their QB and get Baker Mayfield? I'm a 49ers fan, so do what you uh will. Uh I just want to uh, I just want CD and Mayfield to play together again. So, he's not even a Cowboys fan. He just wants that bum Dak Prescott out of Dallas. <laughs> That'd be fun to see Baker and CD playing together again. No chance that happens. None. Yeah, zero percent chance that Dak is a part of this deal and <laughs> gets traded to Cleveland or anything. So that's not happening. Somebody asked, "Who do the Sooners play next?" They play St. Bonaventure. St. Bonaventure last yes. night beat Colorado in Boulder. So uh, bye bye, Mister Boyle and company. No uh, word yet on second game time or location. Porter had mentioned something about if he had the power, he would be moving that to Friday night and hosting it in Norman. Most seem to think it'll be Sunday in Norman, but we'll see with the uh, women's NCAA stuff going on. Uh, the other questions on there were the uh, bracket challenge uh, brought to you by Elite Roofing Systems, uh, asking the password. The password is the dash ref, all lowercase. If you're searching the group, it is a ref bracket challenge. You can also find the link at our website at sportstop1400.com, and it'll take you directly to that, and then you just use the password after you log in under your ESPN account. That's fantastic. I, I had to jot that down in my notes over here, too. <laughs> Would like to join the Bracket Challenge myself. So. You got a day. You got one day, people, to get into the Bracket Challenge. All right, hey, that's it for hour number one. Chris Plank joins us next.